you think separates you as a player? Man, my confidence. You know, just feeling like I can go on the field and just dominate any receiver who line up in front of me. Who do you model your game after? Uh, honestly, Randy Moss, because he's my favorite receiver. Um, I just like his play style. I feel like I, I have a, a similar play style to him. You think the swagger is a perfect fit for Big Apple? Come on. Come on. I think my business savvy is a perfect fit. I think my I think my gregariousness is a perfect fit. I think my hunger for knowledge is a perfect fit. Have you ever been to New York? Uh, I haven't. When I visited the Jets and the Giants, I only I stayed in Jersey. I didn't get a chance to go to New York. Okay. What do you think of Jersey? It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it wasn't that cold. The weather wasn't that bad. Um, <laughs> everybody got a funny accent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's here. The need for the countdown clock is over, although not really. Thirteen hours away. Ain't here yet. Thirteen hours away. That's right. We got thirteen hours to talk about this, baby. Here we go. Woo, 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 woo! I love it. Do you want to go for the next thirteen hours? No, I don't. No, no. NBC, NBC's got to pay me more money before I do that. But uh, I am excited. I really am. This is a great day. It is. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to think or what's going to go on. I mean. Uh, it is one of the more exciting days in the NFL for me as far as the NFL calendar goes. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people's futures get made today in a lot of ways and dreams come true. And it's an honor and a privilege the NFL drafts Michael Florio. Sit your butt down and enjoy it for four hours tonight. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I did not know this one. This was a tweet from Shefty this morning. Let's go ahead and start pissing people off right out of the gates he pointed out it's a big night tonight but it's also 365 days until the next draft in kansas city like why the hell would you even think that like do you go to somebody's birthday party and say you know it's 365 days until your next birthday before the party even starts come on let's enjoy this draft before we start the countdown clock on next year's draft although now i have an idea bring the countdown clock back up can we do a second one well can we do countdown clock to this draft and let's see if Kristen can get on that. We need a countdown clock to next year's draft, too, because we're already on the clock for next year before this year even starts, Chris. That's how big of an event it is. It is a big event. I can sense your sarcasm, and you're being a jerk. Don't ruin I'm it. I'm not being okay. sarcastic all right. at all. all right. I'm not being sarcastic at all. Great day. I 729 am- days until the next one we're, after that. We're going to have a few, of the, uh, the, a few of the people, like a few of the crew here and, and people involved with my podcast over the house tonight. We're going to watch the draft in the barn. I'm going to do some social media stuff and all that. So we got to go that. You're welcome to come if you'd like. If you can get in the car. Yeah, sure. Step on the gas sure. pedal. I'll and be get there in time. I got nothing else to do. I got <laughs> nothing else to do. I'll travel all day to your house. I'm going to be in my barn shooting videos that go up on PFT tonight. So take that. Cool. If we're going to one up each other. Cool. My my videos will actually be watched. Wow, I wasn't trying to one up you, but if, if that's how you want to <laughs> go, all right. <laughs> um, all right. So tonight's the night. It's coming tonight. Hot damn tonight. The draft is tonight, and uh, I the, the, we we have gotten a better sense of who the number one pick is going to be. It keeps locking in to the point where last night on the points bet odds, Iggy Aquanu had caught Aiden Hutchinson as having the same odds to be the number one overall pick with Trayvon Walker, the clear favorite. So now people are thinking, apparently, that the Jaguars, if they don't go Walker, yeah, it's not going to be Hutchinson at all. It's going to be offensive line. 
at this point, it's not between Walker and Hutchinson. It's between Walker Definitely. and Aquanu. Definitely. And Evan Neal is fading, so it's you know right. it's it's flip a coin. Although everybody thinks it's Walker, not everybody, but the the momentum is pushing toward Walker. But they still could they still could go. And now it's changed again. Now oh oh now now Hutchinson is how what is going? I get you know what had to have happened. Somebody saw that Hutchinson was falling, and they put some money on it, and that pushes his odds lower. And pretty much they didn't bite. They didn't bite on Iki Aquanu, so he goes back to plus eight hundred. But there's Evan Neal lurking at plus two thousand. That's a hell of a bargain. If they really throw us a curveball, somebody if somebody's got inside information, if somebody's been talking to Trent Bauke and he's saying you know all these people are crazy at seven Neal, somebody's going to make some money at twenty to one, Chris. Yeah, oh definitely. Hey, he's worth it. I like Evan. Neal a lot you know what my thoughts are I think he is the best tackle in the draft because of his like elite elite ability to protect the the left edge there you know he's a good guy as you saw there the jersey clip he's like funny accents how dare he what the hell are you talking about Evan Neal our accents are fine uh but uh yeah he's gonna fall because he's not the clean overall prospect Iki Aquanu is at the position Mike I think that's the biggest thing you know, it's just run game, some of that stuff. It's just not quite as clean. It's still real good. But Iki Aquanu, and I think why he and Trayvon Walker are kind of, you know, those two guys we expect or we're, we think it's down to in Jacksonville, you know, I think we hit on it a little yesterday. Iki's got guard ability. He might be able to be Quentin Nelson or Zach Martin or one of those guys. So they might be looking at that if they are going O-line, like we talked yesterday, going Cam Robinson extension, guy we drafted, Walker Little in the second round last year, and now we got Scherf and Iquanu inside, and all of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, they got one of the better offensive lines in all of football. So I could see them going that, and I feel like it's going that way, but I, I don't know. It, this is the weirdest year ever as far as we thought it was Aiden Hutchinson forever. Now it's a curveball, and it's Trayvon Walker and Iki Iquanu, uh, as it seems at least in NFL circles. The Cam Robinson extension yesterday surprised me a little bit right? by the value because he was one year away from open market, highest paid offensive lineman in the league. I mean, that's how you get that crown. You hit the market. Now there's other ways to do it, but Trent Williams got his deal as a free agent, right? He was a free agent. That's yeah. right. He was traded to the 49ers and he became a free agent. He well, got the whole deal. issue with the Reds, the Washington football team and all that. Right. 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 But, but still he got his big deal in free agency. Yeah. Cam Robinson was one year away from free agency and I haven't seen the full breakdown yet of his contract. But when I saw three years, 54 million that he traded, that he got after trading in the franchise tag, plus the trip to the market next year, I thought, man, I don't know if they squeezed him a little bit saying, Hey, if you don't sign this, we're just going to draft an offensive lineman and you're going to be a free agent next year and you got to play a full season to get there and you may get injured. They may not want you. You know, he, he did the safer thing. Yes, he did. Right. But, but I, I, I yeah, he's probably left you, some money. You, you on always got to weigh it against, yeah. you got to weigh it against what you could have gotten right. next year as an unrestricted free agent with the salary cap going up, the market dynamics constantly changing. I was surprised. I was yeah. surprised, yeah. but uh, he must like it in Jacksonville. Um, maybe he's just so happy Urban Meyer's gone, he was willing to take any offer that they gave him at this point. Well, maybe. You know, maybe. And, you know, he, he kind of had like a, a rocky, you know, bumpy road to the start of his career where it kind of just turned for the good really in the last year and a half or so to where maybe he just looked at it that way to go, wait, wait 
You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe he doesn't know if he's going to be that kind of guy that can just absolutely break the the bank of the free agent. Like you said, maybe he's just he's happy living there. He knows he's got a spot at left tackle. He knows he's kind of getting better, and he just took like you like you're saying, money in the pocket, the safe deal. They don't have to worry about if I tear my ACL this year or anything like that. I got big time money coming my way. But yeah, I, I tried to mix and match. Does it really matter? Do, do you think it matters as far as who they draft? I don't know if it really does and again I think the Trayvon if they want to go edge guy it sounds like it's Trayvon Walker if they're going to go offensive lineman I fully expect it to be Icky Aquanu because of that new deal and because of like we said who they drafted last year in the second round well and and you know the bottom line is the 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 teams that develop the dominant offensive lines are consistent contenders pretty much if you can yeah if you can exercise the patience necessary like the Cowboys did within the last 10 years and they're at the point where they need to start doing it again where you're just very methodical about adding your pieces to the offensive line and you don't get caught up in the bright shiny objects and you don't want to placate your fans who want fantasy football participants to be drafted yeah but you just go meat and potatoes and build up your offensive line that way Chris that's how if you get your picks right and you develop those players and you get a damn good offensive line that's how you generate big-time running backs, big-time passing games, a team that's going to be competitive year in and year out for as long as you can hold those guys together. So there's some wisdom to the idea of going offensive line, even though they did sign Cam Robinson. Now, now, if they squeezed Cam Robinson to take that deal based on the idea that, well, if you don't, we're going to draft an offensive lineman, and they do anyway, that's a separate conversation for them to have with Cam Robinson. But he at least has the security the next three years. He's not going to get... He's not going to find himself in a spot where after one year they say, see you later, Cam. We're, we're giving the guy we took first overall last year your spot in the starting lineup. Yeah, no, I think you're right. That's kind of he, – he solidified that. I don't know the details of the contract either, but you would think, yeah, he solidified at least probably two years of big-time money there and, and you know, put himself in a spot where he's, he's pretty secure on that roster. I'm like, what do you, what do you do? I mean, I hear you. You know, again, I'm I'm with you. You know that offensive line, it's a huge thing. I mean, we saw the, hey, the Bucks, what they've done the last few years. It's a big, powerful offensive line. The 49ers in the NFC Championship game. Hey, we saw what it did to the Chiefs. They tried to change it around. I mean, you you said it right. You got a great offensive a great offensive line, and you got a quarterback that you believe, ooh, he's good and he can make plays. That you know, that's when teams in this 2022 NFL, you can become dangerous. There, there's no question about it. But if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, Mike, what are you going to do? Let's say, you know, hey, we know Iki Aquanu, yeah, it looks like he might play guard, do all that. You have this big, power, powerful offensive line, and you got a guy like Trayvon Walker who, you know, is a little bit of a – he's a physical freak. He's going to be a good player. He could be Miles Garrett. Like, he's got that kind of ability. He could be that guy. What, do you, what would you do? What would GM Mike do? I would be more inclined to protect my investment from last year. You would, yeah. Trevor Lawrence, right. I would be. And I, when, when, when faced with that decision, yeah. I understand now why the Rams say F them picks. <laughs> because I'd rather have a sure thing. Right. I'd rather have a proven commodity because I don't know what Trayvon Walker is going to be. You don't want to miss with any of your first-round picks, but the last thing you want to do is is join that, that list of, of teams who over the year have had abysmal, classic, failure, 
first overall picks. You want a guy who's going to be money in the bank. But we've seen that that it's not money in the bank, that it's still 50-50 even at the top of the draft. Look at Jared Goff in 2016. Look at Baker Mayfield in 2018, although the jury's still out on him. We'll see what he does with his next team. If he was a, a, a not in the eyes of the Browns, a bust, they would not be looking to unload him right now as he enters year five. So you don't want to screw up that first overall pick. And if there's some great elite player you can get in exchange for it, and you know you're going to have somebody who helps you make a difference right now, then you do it. The the, the only difference is when you take the younger guy, you're paying him a lot less. The financial responsibility is lower. You get three years of certainty where you can't even – if he becomes a Hall of Famer based on his first three years of performance, until those three years are over, you can't sign him to another contract. But I, I now I know why the Rams do what they do because it's a hell of a pick. You know, sometimes when you have too many choices, you don't want too many choices. Like somebody make this decision for me. I don't want to choose between Trayvon Walker and Ike Aquanu. I don't know. I mean, because I, you, you, you could talk yourself into each guy 50 can. times over, and at no some doubt. point you got to make a decision. You're right. You know, you're right. you got to make a decision. You know, I think you said some good things there. I mean, Ikki Aquanu maybe is a little bit safer as far as, like, it's not a projection as much as Trayvon Walker is. But Walker, of course, we know. I mean, edge pass rusher, and if you hit gold, it's, oh, my gosh, this changes our team and our defense. and. We're one of the better defenses in football because we got, you know, a, a freak pass rusher on this one side there. That's where it, it definitely is tough. And uh, he's a he's a hell of a football player. Uh, you said, though, like, uh, I think two things or two things I want to say. One thing, you protect the investment from last year. Yeah, you got two investments, really. Lawrence and e- right. TN, right? So, you know, you'd like to see both of them succeed. And then the the last like bit of thing or knowledge I'll say at least or just makes sense to me, Mike, is you just hired Doug Peterson. Like if you hired him and you want him to be the guy, and we know he's an offensive guy, and he wants the offensive player, I I don't know. Then then go with the guys that you just hired and gave a bunch of money with, and let let him build the team a little bit and run the show the way he wants to. At least that's the way I feel to a degree. There, you make a good point because. Just because Trent Balky's the GM doesn't mean he's got the juice. Like everybody's acting like Balky's in charge. He hung on to that job barely by right? a thread. Right. They, right. they were gonna throw him out for Adrian Wilson and Byron Leftwich. So to the extent that Peterson is the coach, that's the product of Shad Khan buying that approach. Yeah. And and I just I look, it and Shad Khan's a wild card in all this. Remember. The owners are going to be involved in these big picks, these these franchise-transforming selections. The owners are going to have a voice. And Shot Khan's already on record, making it clear he's going to have a voice. And Chris, this is where Trent Baalke, Doug Peterson, they're fairly new. Baalke has been around a little while longer than Peterson, who just showed up. You talked about getting Trayvon Walker and having a great defense. If I'm Shot Khan, I think back to five years ago when we had an awesome defense in Jacksonville. Right. A team that almost made it to the Super Bowl. What did that defense ever do for us? What did it ultimately do? And then it fell apart just like that. It was gone. Um, in an, in an, a league now that's driven by offense. Yeah, yeah. And you've already had this great defense, and you didn't win SH-T with it. If I'm Shad Khan, I'm thinking – 
We got Trevor Lawrence. We got Travis Etienne. We paid all that money to Christian Kirk. We got to justify that investment. Well, if Trevor Lawrence can't can't get more than 1.3 seconds to throw the ball before he's he's crushed by whatever the weakness is on our offensive line, we need to have five guys across who can get it done. They paid the money to Brandon Scherf. You 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 bring in a Quanu and have him play guard, and and maybe he plays guard for multiple years and only kicks out to tackle after. You know, yeah, after he's been in right. the league for a while, when Cam Robinson's deal expires, right. I just think that. Yeah. And 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 look look around the AFC. Well, yeah. Is it a bunch of crippling defenses? No, it's a bunch <laughs> of great offenses. You're right. You got to keep up with those offenses if you want to compete. So you know what? I'm talking myself into the icky Aquan into into icky. Yeah, into icky. I, Give me I, eight to one on I hear icky. You. I mean, I think you you bring up some good things, and you know, Mike. Well, one thing we've seen in the NFL a little bit is you don't have to have like. Uh, we've seen teams with just elite units still be elite teams. Like, do, oh, they got a great offense and a run game, and oh, the defense is just okay, but they're so great at this. Or, I mean, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs and what we've seen. You know, it, it, we're not looking at it going, oh my gosh, their team, their defense is a top five and top ten, and their run game is that too. And then they no, we just they just go, we're going to be so good in the pass game and just so unstoppable there that it's going to affect your whole team and how you play it and all that. And I think the Cincinnati Bengals kind of did the same thing a little, and without the offensive line, but the rest of it was so good. You went, whoa, we got to play them a different way and do different stuff because they got too many weapons and a quarterback and everything. So I, I think there is a little more logic to that approach maybe than when we were growing up, where you wanted to build the complete you know team on both sides. It's 2022 passing league, like you said, the way the NFL's favored for the offense and all that. Uh, I. I I, I, as more I talk about it, I think I more kind of you know go your way or that way too. That I would probably go icky when all said and done. But this is just an example of what happens when you have two yeah. big choices and you got yeah. all this time. Thirteen hours. We're not on twelve hours and forty <laughs> minutes. Forty two minutes. But still, you know, th- think about how tormented the Jaguars are today. Yeah, I'm, with your why life. Make a fun? There it is. It. It's back. The <laughs> countdown's back up. But but you're right. You're you're you got McGruber in there. The the clock is ticking until the bomb explodes. And you gotta you gotta decide. You gotta decide right now. Well, not right now, but you got all day to think about it and rethink it. And you know, part of the benefit of earning that first overall pick is you have the prerogative to change your mind if you want. Sure, That's, right. It's part of the fun of it. Yeah, you know, we thought about this guy, but now we're thinking about this guy. But let's go back to this guy, and maybe it'll be this guy. But what about that guy or that guy? And then you just ping pong back and forth, and you maybe settle on Icky Aquano. You could make a good argument. A very good argument. As we've talked this through, I I am all in on Icky Kwanu, and I'm only surprised you have not referred to him as Sticky Icky yet. <laughs> Sticky Icky. Wouldn't that be a great nickname? It would be, especially if he's sticking all over defenders and they just can't get him off him and but, he's blocking but him. The, but the, yes. The, the, uh, the, uh, but the other meaning I, as well. I, I understand. The, I understand. The, it's the good stuff. I didn't want to put now, that on this young gentleman yet. I didn't want to put l- that let, phrase let, on Let him. me say this. <laughs> Well, it depends on whether or not he's drafted to a team that's in a weed legal state. Uh, will there be tonight in your barn, as you have guests there, will there be any sticky icky? Well, I, I, I hope uh, to be smoking some sticky icky when sticky icky's getting drafted. <laughs> I hope that's what's going on. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, I'm going to have uh, a little fun tonight. A little, you maybe, know. I will, maybe, maybe I will be there. Come on in. You're more than welcome. You can stay at the house. No problem. <laughs> Uh, all right, 
Let's get so, the number let's two. Let's move on to the number two yeah, pick. Yeah. And I saw somebody had a somebody posted last night. I can't remember the name of the person, which is good because I guess I don't want to call them out. Uh, somebody posted a seven round mock draft, and it went off the rails at number two because they had the Lions taking Kenny Pickett. <laughs> it's like, well, okay. Um, I, is, is it any doubt it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson at number two if he's not the number one overall pick? Is I, there any I, doubt in your mind? I don't think so. I still think Aiden Hutchinson is the number one player on most teams' board in the NFL. And more more teams than I, than I feel like Trayvon Walker, at least from people I talk to. I don't know. Not that I talk to every team. But, hey, this is a, a hell of a football player that we thought was really going to be the number one pick for, what, the last three months uh, or at least? Or at least somewhere in there. And he, like... Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. Does it is it not perfect? Like that Dan Campbell's gonna get this guy? I mean, he kind of is like a kneecap eater kind of guy. He's perfect. He's extremely talented, extremely intense, plays hard as hell. I would just think like you know, you said it earlier this week. I would think that if, if the Jaguars take Iki Aquanu, like the Lions are going to do a sprint, a dive, and a somersault to the podium and go, here's our pick. Like it's four seconds later. We're ready to make it. It just makes so much sense, not only from the player, the need on the team. And then you said it yesterday, Mike, butts in the seats. He's got like a cult following up there in the Michigan area. There's a lot of people that are going to want to go see the Lions with Aiden Hutchinson coming off the edge. There has been a push recently, and I saw one of the folks who cover the Lions, I think it was Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press, say that they're going to be choosing between Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau, and Pete just pointed out that the odds have swung toward Thibodeau. Um, I'm I'm having trouble pulling up the odds on points bet for the NFL draft futures. We've got it in our – okay, never mind. What what are the odds? Minus 160, Mike. Hutchinson is minus 160, and Thibodeau is plus 140. It's gotten a little closer for – Thibodeau to be the second overall pick and we spent a lot of time yesterday telling people to go out and bet the over on the four and a half over under on Thibodeau but isn't it weird that there's this late push for Thibodeau are people just spotting potential value and that's driving the odds down you think that's what it is I do I think that's what it is and he's a name that's been so up there for so long that I could see people with maybe big money who maybe don't really know everything or whatever, they keep going, well, he's going to go somewhere here in this area. He's not going to fall that far. You know, but again, you know, as, as we see with the number one pick, how much it can change. And let me just like remind everybody, the guy that everybody thought was going to be the number one pick before college football and the NFL season started, he can't start for a college football team. All right, So sometimes people are just off. Spencer Rattler was the guy in August that we thought he's going to be the number one pick because that's what all those people were telling us. <laughs> okay, he Oklahoma couldn't wait to get him off the field. And now he's at what South Carolina, right? So that just tells you about these markets and how things change and everything there. And you know, again, that's where I think a little of the Thibodeau hype is. Uh, behind this a little bit. I, I, I would be shocked if I saw him go there, especially with Aiden Hutchinson on the board or a K, or Trayvon Walker. It just, it you know, again, like I said, and, and I think there's a lot of people in football that see it this way. It, he's not in the class of those two guys or the Jermaine I've Johnson. got Yeah. I've got the odds in front of me that I posted last May yeah. after the draft. Right. Spencer Rattler. It's crazy. The next guy on the list was Sam Howell, the North Carolina quarterback. Right. 
then Thibodeau, yeah. Derek Stingley Jr. after that, USC quarterback Keaton Slovis. Whatever happened to Keaton Slovis? He's also transferring. Whatever. So, see, this is where it, there's, this, it's, there's a little bit of this going on in the NFL community right now. Jumping off of the high school ranking and not letting it go. Like, these kids didn't grow or other kids didn't grow and get better and stronger, and they kind of just ride, ride the wave. It's been going on for a few years, and that, that you're, you're pointing out a lot of examples of it. Sorry to cut you off there, Mike. No, no, it's yeah. just it's amazing right? how how it 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 influences what happens in these betting markets, right. and it just shows you how little we know, especially a year in advance, right. with a full year of college football to be played. There have been guys who have entered the college football season. You mentioned Matt Barkley the other day. Yeah, yeah, he was he was the number one overall pick. Yeah, and what happened? He right. was a fourth rounder. Fourth rounder. He was like the first guy taken in round four the year that he entered the draft, and now we do have. Just for you, Shefty, we've got a countdown to the 2023 draft. It's 364 days, 12 hours, 35 minutes, and 23 to the 2023 NFL draft. Before the end of the show, we'll have a countdown to the 2024 NFL draft. So, uh, and, and, and so be advised, be yeah. advised when the odds pop up for next year, just you never know what's going to happen. And maybe you'll get a great value because I don't know where Trayvon Walker was yeah, last year. I, was I didn't way see down him on there. that list. Way I don't know where Ike Aquanu was. Right. Take the field. Man. Take the field. Whatever the field is for your betting option for the 2023 draft. In, uh, I was going to quote the time again, but the countdown if, clock, if it, the, it, it's, like, it's like a hummingbird. It's there it's and there then it's gone. gone. It'll be back. Don't you worry. Uh, I mean, if Detroit – if Detroit – has Aiden Hutchinson on the board and does not go that direction. Oh my gosh. Uh, it, to me, you're, you're, you're almost setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up for disaster. You're setting yourself up for just, uh, I think a, a PR disaster. And the fact that as soon as things go wrong or anything like that, it's just the, the fan base is going to turn against you. I, I think it would be hey, that kind of cr cr that critical. That's the other side of this, too. Not only do you deal with the fact that the guy you took didn't work out, but the guy on whom you passed ends up being a star somewhere else. The Browns dealt with that in 2017, a year after they had traded out of the second overall spot and didn't take Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz is emerging as an MVP. There were stories after stories coming out of Cleveland uh, accusing the Browns of being idiots. Yeah. I mean, there were plenty, plenty of other evidence at the time to accuse <laughs> the Browns of being idiots. But, but item A was... You should have just taken Carson Wentz. Now, they've been given a reprieve by Wentz's performances since then, but that's a very real part of this. So you would pass on the Michigan guy. He goes on to be a stud somewhere else. Right. And you get a guy that busts. Yeah, no, look, th this one's easy. Don't end. overthink this yeah. one. You can overthink the Jaguars selection yeah you can't overthink the Lions. it's Aiden Hutchinson or the Lions really don't know what they're doing number three the Houston Texans Derek Stingley Jr. is the favorite at plus 115 that that is continues to be a surprise because folks have him behind Sauce Gardner at a minimum but yeah. not in Houston not in the eyes I of Nick Casario, he's the favorite uh, by a nice little healthy margin there over Ricky Aquano and Sauce Gardner. All right, I want to throw some things at you here and get your thoughts or your two cents off of this. All right, so, like, first off, again, this, this is a, a guy that again, I got respect for, I like. There's, I see some of the things that everybody talks about. You know, we've talked about this a little bit. But his best year was three years ago. 
It's gotten not better, but it's gone the other direction the last two years, and there's injury concerns. Like, Mike, when I say all that, so, and the GM is Nick Casario from New England, conservative Nick Casario, New England, Boston, Bill Belichick disciple. Does that sound like the guy that they would take at three? Let me take the guy that's just a total roll of the dice, hasn't played that good of football the last two years, and he's been hurt in both of those years. I'm going to go with the guy that was good three years ago in college football. Does that sound like a Nick Casario, New England Patriot type of pick? That would just be my first pushback against that logic and that betting market right there. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, as Pete said, only if he went to Rutgers, then then that would be a pick that, that Nick Casario would <laughs> right. make. But okay, so then what's Casario's pick? What's his play? Well, if it's not if it's not Stingley, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I could see. I mean, Sauce Gardner clearly is safer to me. And and as I told you yesterday, I think on most teams' boards, the two pass rushers, Iki Aquanu and Sauce Gardner, are the top four players on the boards. So I could see that. I could. They have. They could go edge, right? Now, here's the thing I go with corner, too, Mike. Here's another two cents to just, like, corner, you got Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith traditionally has not believed in the shut-down, high-priced corner, right? Remember, he got to Tampa, and they had Darrell Rivas, and he was like, why do we pay him so much? I play cover, too. He's not even going to have to play man-to-man. So can we get him off the team and trade him or get rid of him? And that's where I also go, wait, there's a double whammy there where the Derek Stingley and the corner thing, I don't know. They got issues on the offensive line. I could certainly see them trying to take take one of the the other tackles left over, whether that's Neil or Charles Cross. I would not be shocked by that at all. You know, they've got Laramie Tunsil. They gave up a lot to get Laramie Tunsil. Yep. They paid him a lot of money, yeah. and you said not that long ago that you know he's, he's only, you know what he's only twenty seven. I was stunned to see that. Right, he's still got plenty of years left in him, but but again, again, it's the AFC. Everyone, not everyone, not the Texans or the Jaguars, but a lo- most of the teams have a great offense. Yeah, or they're working toward having a great offense. So the assets need to be invested on the offensive side of the ball. Same analysis we went through with the Jacksonville Jaguars applies to the Houston Texans. And you're right. You don't make a risky pick. You don't pick a guy a on team a like that. that flashed three years right, ago. Right. It has so much to do. Exactly. So many needs. Exactly. You can't afford to get this one wrong. Exactly. That, 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 that to me, is where I kind of look at it. It just doesn't line up that way, at least in just you know my knowledge of the NFL, knowing some of these people. So then you there you get into... But they could be sitting there, Mike, with the way we just talked about it, Icky, Aiden Hutchinson, number two, all of a sudden going, wait, Trey, we, we kind of thought we were going to go O-line here or something like that, but Trayvon Walker's on the board still. I mean, if it goes the way we talked about here. So that's where it's also interesting to go, oh, yeah, I think there's maybe more of a need on the offensive line, but the defensive line and edge guys in, in Houston, it's nothing special there. They got, like, good players, but nothing that's like you go, oh, wow, we got a game plan to stop this guy or anything that way. Jordan Jenkins, they got the uh, kid they drafted out of Florida, uh, Jonathan Greenyard, who's a pretty good pass rusher. But, again, these aren't Trayvon Walker. So that's where this is an interesting pick to me, number three. This This could go a lot of different ways. We know how critical it is to have a great defensive line and a great pass rush. But you know what? 
it's not as important if you're not a contender. It's more important if you're a contender because that's when that defensive line comes in the most handy in the postseason when you need a stop, when you need to swallow up a Patrick Mahomes in a Super Bowl, for example. Yeah. To become a contender, the building blocks to becoming a contender, I think, are on the offensive side of the ball yeah, in today's yeah. NFL. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, Miles Garrett, first overall pick in 2017. Yeah. And he's worked out for the Browns. What if they, how many times have they been to the playoffs? Yeah, I hear you. During Miles Garrett's career. Yeah. Right? I think your building blocks for being relevant and getting to the playoffs on a regular basis in the NFL today or on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. We're yeah. solving the whole world's problems today, baby. That's, we that's go what ahead we're here and, for. You know what? We've solved this draft. Let's go ahead and focus on the 2023 draft Let's with a countdown it. clock. Let's do it. We don't need to worry about this one. I wonder if Spencer Rattler will be. Wouldn't that be the ultimate irony? Uh, right? Spencer Rattler is the number one overall pick <laughs> next year <laughs> right. after all. Uh, let's, uh, let's. Oh, look at we're, this. We're, you're you're challenging them back there. Here we go. No, it's seven. Hey, whoa. Time out. Time out. Time out. There's a leap year also. So uh, if it. All right. Okay. I took the uh, leap year into account. They're saying I don't think you took the. I don't think you did because you'd have seven twenty nine if you if it's the same Thursday. Okay, um, <laughs> let's move on to the fourth pick. That's yeah. where Kayvon Thibodeau is the favorite at plus three twenty five. A little bit ahead of Sauce Gardner. I think that most people would think Gardner here again. Nobody knows where the ceiling for Thibodeau is. Nobody knows where the floor is. Right. And that floor is going to be fascinating. He's the guy that could just drop, 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 drop. And I don't know whether it's he's out there make. Uh, you know what may be happening? He's been out there doing media, and he's very likable. He's very good. And I wonder if people, because you, you never know what motivates folks to, to make a bet. I wonder if people see him on TV somewhere and say, I like that guy. I'm going to go bet on him to be no doubt. drafted sooner than expected. No doubt. I think that plays it. He's, a, he's, got a, he's, a, he's gregarious. He even said that. He's got a personality that way. It's also the same thing that's turned him off to a number of teams because they just go, you know, I, I've heard it. And, again, I'm not saying this. Just, this is just rumors that are out there. It's just the things you hear from people that, you know, that I do trust. You know, just, yeah. He's worried about a lot of other things, too, other than football. So that's, again, this is one where I don't buy Kayvon Thibodeau here at all. Uh, if it fell this way, first off, again, like we're just talking about, where we went we went offensive line Jacksonville, defensive line Aiden Hutchinson to Detroit, offensive line to the Texans. I would have thought four at Jets would have been Sauce Gardner all, the, all, all day long. But now, again, here we are at four, and you'd go, wait, this plays out to where Trayvon Walker could be there. Well, and, and the Jets have a need at pass rusher. You know, to, so, to me, again, that, that, that's going to be interesting to see where that goes. But I would think if Trayvon Walker wasn't on the board and, uh, I, and, and no Aiden Hutchinson, I would think the Jets, it becomes a Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson from Florida State conversation. Uh, Jermaine Johnson's the guy that was he is not going to get out of the top 10. He is too good of a football player. People, I think, in the media are not quite seeing him the way the rest of the NFL is. That would just be my two cents there. But the Jets, they should be able to get what they want and what they really need to help their team there at four in that defense. And they've got the benefit of having two first-round picks, two top-ten picks. They could go defense yeah, one, offense right. the other, and try to balance out their team that way. The Jets have, though, in my mind, continued to be in this trap of building their team from the outside in, not the inside out. It dates back to signing Le'Veon Bell in free agency. That was a pre-Joe Douglas move, and that sealed the fate of Mike McCagnon, frankly. You don't go out and add these 
these pieces that make your offense go until you have the line to make your offense go, and you need the defensive line. The two times we've seen the Giants, the other team in New York, duh, be actually worth a crap in recent years. They've had a great offensive line and a great defensive line. So if the Jets intend on contending and they've got this benefit of those two first-round picks in the top ten, go defense one, offense for the other, and they may have a guy like Trayvon Walker fall into their That's laps. That's interesting. Or, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, you know or, or Thibodeau or – who knows? I, I know. I know. Maybe, maybe Jermaine Johnson, like you said. Who knows? Who knows? Or, or maybe you'll see. Look, we we haven't factored in the possibility of a trade, but we know that that's always lingering. It's always going to be there once the picks start. You never know when a team is going to find a taker. Let's say a Trayvon Walker does. That's slip where it could get. It's where it could get two, a little three. crazy. Agree. That's where somebody who right. says, "Oh, we got to go get this right. guy," makes the Jets an offer they can't refuse. No doubt, because if he gets to four, the price tag to trade up to four, if you're in the you know eight nine range or somewhere in there, it's not nearly as steep what it would be to go to one to two to get the guy you love. So that's where I agree. That could open up Pandora's box a little bit if guy like Walker or Hutchinson are on the board at four to where there could be some action because teams are going to go, oh, wait, we trade up three spots. This was the number one player in our draft, and all right, let's do that. So uh, I, I hear you there. Uh, it'd be interesting with the Jets, though. I, I would expect it to be defense here. You know, I, I'd be probably a little scared if I was a, wanted a receiver and I wanted Jamison Williams, but – I think all in all, they got it. the defense was not good enough last year. You're Robert Sala. You're a defensive coordinator. They had issues across the board there, and I know they had a lot of injuries that I think they'd got to address it. I expect it to be Sauce or Jermaine Johnson. Those would be the two guys I would narrow it down to. You know, that's a big part of it, too. You got a coach who comes from the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Most head coaches in today's NFL come the, from the offensive side of the ball. If your defense isn't good and that's your specialty – uh, yeah, at some point you're gonna want you're gonna want that major asset to be helping your side of the ball to make you look better doing the thing you did that got you the job in the first place. Because at some point people are gonna say, you know, they hired this guy to be the head coach because he's great defensive coordinator. The defense sucks. So no uh, doubt th- there's an argument, exactly good right. argument to be made there too. Yeah, but but the Jets are in that category where if there is an opportunity to slide back and and get more lottery tickets. That's something they have to consider because they need more help to truly contend. I look at the Texans, Jaguars, and Jets, three of the teams taking in the top four as the three teams that just won't contend in the AFC this year. The other 13 each can contend. Those other three are going to be kicked to the curb, barring something uh, unexpected. And maybe that unexpected thing is going out and getting a guy who walks through the door and transforms a yeah, team that's right. in the top four selections of the draft. Let's right. move on to the Giants. Yeah. They the have G-man. a couple of first-round picks. Your team, your Giants, woo, 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 Bill woo. Sims' legacy at number five. There are uh, plenty of options. It will still be there. Charles Cross is the betting favorite at plus 175, but Iquanu could be there. Sauce Gardner could be there. Evan Neal will likely still be there, quite possibly. Who the hell knows at this point? What would you do with that first first-round pick if you were the Giants? Yeah, they got to play this right, you know, I mean, and, and try to read the board right there to, to go like, I, 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 I want to see the Giants go tackle and pass rusher. That's what I want to see as a Giants fan. I go, damn, we got to get somebody that can protect Daniel Jones and open up a damn hole for Saquon Barkley. What the hell was the point of drafting those guys in the top six of the draft if we can't ever do anything to see what the hell they can do? So, you know, again, as we've talked about it here, there's a chance, hey, Evan Neal's on the board. I mean, again, if Evan Neal was on the board, I would run there. I would. 
uh, without a doubt. You know, I don't know. There's some medical talk that's come up with him. I don't think that's real. There is talk that some teams have the guy that, if you're watching here, Charles Cross from Mississippi State, that teams have him every bit as high as Evan Neal. I think it's a little bit more of a projection type of thing uh, as far as he's got talent, but his tape certainly not as good. But I want to see the Giants go O-line here. O-line, pass rusher, but what they got to figure out, Mike, and maybe we talk about here is just how would you go about that? Do you got to take the pass rusher here? You know, you're gonna. It's gonna depend how many tackles are off the board and what, how many pass rushers are off the board. I think that can maybe determine the order of what they go here if they don't trade down from one of these spots or something. And their efforts to make the offensive line under Dave Gettleman were so abysmal. Oh. And if they truly are serious about building around Daniel Jones, and look, whether it's Daniel Jones or somebody else, you're gonna have somebody playing quarterback for the New York Giants. I really think the closer we get. Yeah. To May 3, the more likely it is that the Giants don't pick up the option right. on Daniel Jones. I just thought of something. Yeah. And I hadn't thought of this before. Okay. They haven't exercised the option yet. They're going to go into the draft. Unless they surprise us today and announce they're going to exercise the option, they're going to go into the draft having not picked up the option on Daniel Jones. He's essentially a lame duck quarterback under contract for one year the safer course they don't get themselves into a baker mayfield sam darnold situation right. but they had all that praise for daniel jones you don't see them as a team that potentially could go quarterback in the draft at some point like lurking that we don't there's nobody there's nobody that fits the josh allen mold is there i mean it would be different if there was a potential josh allen out there for brian dayball right, right. the guy who helped dayball get the head coaching job but i just kind of got that idea yeah like this would be you. a great opportunity for them to go out and get a quarterback at a time when nobody's expecting them to i hear you i i don't i don't think they will i don't expect that i mean again you kind of said it they got they're a team that's they got a lot of needs they got a lot of things I don't think the quarterback, to me, should be one of the things they should put at the top of the board, especially with this year's crop. If there were some superstars there, like you talked about, where you really felt like, oh, wait, you know, like I felt like with Josh Allen and Mahomes or those type of guys, you know, Joe Burrows, when they came out in the draft and all that, that, hey, fine, go for it. But I don't think that guy's there. And, you know, to your point, Daniel Jones, he can run. That's the one thing we know he can do. He's been running for his life for the last three years. He can do that. So there's the, he's got some of that, you know, Josh Allen in him. But, yeah, I, I guess, Mike, I, to me, to, just the big thing with them is, you know, just how they want to play this as far as, you know, I, I feel like they're not going to have to worry too much about Carolina in the pass rushing department. They got to worry about Carolina right behind them as far as the tackle is concerned. And that's where they are going to have to play their cards right with five and seven. And a lot of people think they're trying to trade down big time from that seven pick. Uh, but, you know, again, who are you going to trade up for is going to be the big question with some of these picks there in the top ten. They also have to worry about the Panthers bailing out of six. Like, sure, whatever they sure. don't address at five and they think they're going to address it at seven, the Panthers could then back out and let someone jump them to take whoever they would hope would right. be there at seven right. if they're just praying that the Panthers go quarterback at number six. Well, we're going to talk more about the Panthers in the next segment, but I think that's a real factor as it gets to number seven for yeah. the Giants. Yeah. And there's a point where you just have to put the bag down and let it go. You, you can't – Yeah. You can't plan for every possibility, so you just have to make your pick at five and not let your pick at seven get in the way of making a good pick at five. Yeah, I, I think you're right. You're right. You, you, you do your best to kind of read the tea leaves and see where it goes, but uh, eventually, yes, you got to make your pick at five. And for the Giants' sake and all that, yeah, I'm hoping they get one of those tackles. I would love to see them get Evan Neal. 
You know, then for for as a Giants fan, Carolina take probably the cross kid from Mississippi State at tackle, and then I would love the Giants to get Jermaine Johnson from Florida State at five and seven. To me, I'd go, man, that's perfect. We can protect Daniel Jones. It's great for Brian Dayball. Now we got a real pass rusher and an edge guy for Wink Martindale who can be the Zadarius Smith, Matt Judon type for that defense. To me, that would be perfect for Big Blue. Yeah, well, we'll see how it goes for them. They've got those two picks. And again, as as big name players, somebody's going to slip through the cracks. That's when there is that possibility that there's a team lurking in the teens yeah. later in yeah. the top 10 that just loves a guy and says, let's go. And those conversations about various contingencies, those happen because when you get on the clock, you got 10 minutes. So I suspect that there are tentative understandings in place as to the phone call that could be made if and when player X is available at number five or number seven or wherever, that, that that's an option. And then the teams put that word out there and they start to build those possibilities. It could trigger some trades as we get through round one. We've worked through the first five picks. Let's go ahead and take a break and focus on the Carolina Panthers and what they will do at number six as further informed by a decision made by their owner, David Tepper, to speak to the media yesterday, one day after we heard from Scott Fitterer, we'll, Try to figure out what the Panthers are going to do when this draft day edition of PFT Live continues right after this. Look, people don't even ask me about the draft. They ask me about the Pelicans, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, Except you guys, you're asking me about the draft. (laughs) That's not cool. Mickey Loomis, he was the VP of basketball operations for the New Orleans Pelicans a few years ago, which is why, frankly, Sean Payton isn't currently the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Because it was, as that deal was falling together, Anthony Davis decided he wanted out of New Orleans, and Mickey Loomis decided, I can't be the common link between Anthony Davis and Sean Payton leaving New Orleans basically a week apart. So, sorry, Sean, you're not going to the Cowboys. That's a story that is told in Playmakers, available wherever your books are sold. And please don't do to your book the thing that I told Pete about during the break that I heard. Well, never mind. Let's not. Let's not go down that path. Let's go down the path of the sixth overall pick in the draft. Before we do that, though, uh, we want to hear more from Mickey Loomis and what they're thinking about doing at quarterback. There's a buzz there that that Kenny Pickett is their guy, and maybe they'll get him with 16 or 19. You know, when they got that second first-round pick in the 15 to 20 window, they're up to something. They didn't just do it so they could say, hey, we got two first-round picks. They got something they're targeting. They got something they're hoping to do to make the team better. At one, thought, I thought, at one point, I thought they were going to maybe try to package them and move up. Yeah, right. When it, back, back when we thought the quarterbacks were going to go earlier than right. they are. And who the hell knows at this point? But, who knows? Uh, do, you think, do you think Pickett's their guy? And would you have a problem with them using 16 or 19 on him? I would not. I would not have a problem with that. I, you know, again, I, I think maybe they made the trade. I, and again, no knowledge here, but maybe they made the trade kind of reading the tea leaves like we've talked about last segment. They're going, all right, like, you know, we like this guy. If he falls in our lap, that's great. I mean, all you got to worry about is Carolina and Atlanta. And then basically you can look at it and go, well, I think he's going to kind of fall to us after that unless a trade's made or something. He certainly makes sense for the way they want to play football. I mean, he's, like we've talked about, the most ready right away. He was in a pro offense. He understands coverages and how to play in the pocket. You know, he's a pretty good athlete. 
He's very good at short ball throwing, Drew Brees, New Orleans type of stuff. I mean, he is. That's what he did at Pitt. He'd be one of those, Mike, if you watch his film, you'd go, damn, I wish he'd you know, I wish he'd push it downfield a little here. This guy's open down there, and he took the six-yard completion. Not that that's wrong, but that's the style of play he plays. It does fit them. There's no doubt. There does. But I think they're sitting pretty where they'll be able to address just about any need they need on their team there where they are in, in the first round. Let's hear a little more from Loomis, who would have preferred to talk Pelicans, but instead talked draft yesterday <laughs> with the New Orleans media corps on their assessment of the quarterback position. It's a tough position to evaluate, you know, and, and uh, there's a lot of variables involved. And so I think it does it does affect you a little bit because, look, we all want, you know, particularly a first-round pick or a second-round pick, we want them to be contributors to the football team. And, and so you're looking at, hey, what's the floor of a particular player and what's the ceiling? And, and so there's risk-reward, and uh, certainly it affects uh, – affects how you think about it. As far as I know, it seems like the quarterback class is all over the board with how people have graded and ranked them. Just maybe overall, how do you feel about the group? Yeah, that's not an area I want to get into. Yeah, and look, that's smart. That's smart. They have to do these pre-draft press conferences, they by do. the way. The there league told go. me yesterday. Right. It's the GM or the coach. It doesn't have to be both, right. which was Kyle's out earlier this week. Even Damn, though he yeah. was there last year. He wasn't there this year. But it can be one or the other. It is mandatory, but you don't have to lay out your draft board plans no, you don't. in response to the questions that are asked. <laughs> right. and, and, yeah, it becomes an opportunity to spread some misinformation. And Look, I don't know what the Saints are going to do at quarterback. We pointed out recently, and this came from an item – that Jeff Duncan wrote about the fact that they do like Kenny Pickett, or at least that was his assessment. Makes sense. Whatever it was he had gleaned. They haven't used a first-round pick in the regular draft on a quarterback since Archie Manning in 1971. They used a supplemental first-round pick on Dave Wilson in 1981, which obviously if you use a supplemental first-round pick, that takes away your next year's first-rounder. But this is not a team that has been burning draft capital on quarterbacks who play. I mean, look, Sean Payton got Drew Brees in free agency. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I, you're, you're, when you, when, if you're Mickey Loomis, when the guy who's been the cornerstone player in your franchise that has helped keep you employed all these years was a guy you didn't draft, and all of a sudden you're going to pivot to drafting a quarterback, that's a hell of a risk. That's a hell of a jump because you don't know, and you haven't had to do it. You've been focused every draft on some other need. You haven't had to really scout the quarterbacks. Now, all of a sudden, you've got to scout the quarterbacks. And you've got to figure out what traits project well and don't project well. And it's not, I, you know, I mean, maybe they, maybe they do it anyway. And they did it with Patrick Mahomes, obviously. But still, it's one thing to scout when it's a luxury. It's like, hey, you know, I'm just, I'm just shopping for cars that I'm not going to buy. And then it's, you know what, I need a car. I better go find one. It's a different mindset altogether. It, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, it'd be interesting. I mean, this is the the Saints are a team you look at and go, it makes sense with a guy like Kenny Pickett. Like Mike, we've discussed right where um, had people tell me in the NFL and people around the Saints a little like they, we've discussed this. They, they think they're ready. They're they're not out of this. They don't look at this and go, oh, man, Sean Payton's gone and we got to rebuild. 
They look at it and go, we just missed the playoffs last year. We had a bunch of injuries, and we had no Jameis Winston, and Kamara was hurt a bunch of weeks, and we had issues that way. So, like we discussed, I think they look at it like we're still a player. Now, we know they need a receiver. They could pro- they don't they're not desperate for a tackle, but they could probably they could use one because they lost to Ron Armstead as we talked to with Miami Miami Dolphins and all of that. But you know, the quarterback thing with a guy like Kenny Pickett, he is the one guy where you know, there'll be less of a, a learning curve. You will be able to play with him this year and still be good. You know, he's a rookie. You'll have to manage to a degree, but it's going to be less than most rookies. It'll be Mac Jones-ish, okay? He's not Mac Jones to me, but he's along that lines of that kind of guy, what we're talking about there, which there, and when you talk about that and think of the player and the Saints and the coaches and what they've had, and wait, guys like Mac Jones were compared to guys like Drew Brees, uh, I don't think it's a crazy thought. They're certainly one of the teams that I look at to be – uh, if if no quarterbacks go in the top ten, I look. Ooh, the the Saints are the team I look at next to make a make a play there. We mentioned earlier the fact that the Saints did the trade a few weeks back to get an extra first round pick that deal with the Philadelphia Eagles that sacrificed among other things next year's first rounder for the Saints. Here's Mickey Loomis talking about the decision to pull the trigger on that transaction with Philly. For us, it's an opportunity to get I think another good player. Um, a year ahead of time for a value that we liked. That's, in a nutshell, what it was. The mystery of it is you don't know where you're picking in the future. Look, if, if we you know, have a successful season and, and uh, are picking late in the draft, that favors us. And if, if, we, if we don't and we're picking early in the draft, then that's a pretty good deal for uh, Philadelphia. And so um, that's, that's, part of the, that's part of the equation. Um, but the bigger piece is how does the player perform that we, we select? Because, you know, for example, if you traded your whole draft away and you got Tom Brady, everybody would say that's a great draft. Now, they, would, they wouldn't say that it was a great trade before that happened, but after the fact, they'd say, look, man, look at that. So um, ultimately it comes down to who you select and how well that player performs. I think the Saints believe they're going to be pretty good this year. That's my big takeaway from what he just said. They think they're going to be pretty good. They've swept Tom Brady two straight years. Yeah, they lost to him in the playoffs when it really mattered. But remember, twenty the, to the, ten. The final memory. Yeah. The final memory from from last season as it relates to Bucks Saints was yeah. Dennis Allen stepping in for Sean Payton right. and shutting out Tom Brady. So. I think they believe they're going to be pretty good. So that 2023 pick they've given up, which yeah. will be exercised, by the way, in 364 days, 12 hours, and 4 minutes, that pick is not going to be very high. So, it's going to be later that night in Kansas City that's coming up in 364 days, 12 hours, and 2 minutes. So with all that you just said and that there right there, do you in like your heart of hearts, do you think they're going to go quarterback? Do you think they'll do it? Like I want to say no because of what you just said there. That, that's what I want to say. You know, but I mean, again, I don't think it's crazy to go Kenny Pickett there. I understand it. There's logic there, uh, but but for the reasons you just stated, I I that's why I feel like they won't go QB. But maybe I'm wrong. I think we have to watch all the teams that tried to get Deshaun Watson. I think those are the teams that, in my mind, that's a solid point, have right. put us on notice that they're thinking quarterback. And yeah. just because they brought back Jameis Winston. That doesn't mean yeah. that they're all in with Jameis Winston. And now that you have extricated Taysom Hill from the quarterback room, 
that creates a spot. They've got Ian Book, who was a fourth-round pick out of Notre Dame last year and and was the guy who caught the short straw in that Monday night disaster against against the the Miami Dolphins when when Sean Payton literally walks into the locker room and guys are getting dressed in uniform, and he's like, who the hell are those guys? That's how far down they were on the list of players that were – actually suiting up among the 46 active game day players. So I think there's a spot for a quarterback. And the other side of this, too, I I don't know how much longer Mickey Loomis is going to be the GM of the Saints, not not because he's on the hot seat, but because he may decide, I, you know, Sean Payton's gone, I'm gone. It's right. time for me to move on. How many more years do you churn this through? And that may be a factor in giving up next year's first-round pick. Let's get that guy in here early. Because, I don't know, maybe I got two, three, four years. I haven't heard anything specific, but that may be part of it as well. But, look, they were after Deshaun Watson. That tells me Mm -hmm. they're at least thinking about a quarterback better than any of the quarterbacks they had last year. And even though Winston didn't get the full season, he was not spectacular. No, he was not. In the first eight weeks. He wasn't. No, agreed. But they were still a good team. They were. And they still almost made the playoffs. After all that adversity they went through last year, they still almost made it. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's something that you you know, you know kind of said it to start the show. I mean, what what do the Saints got? I mean, they're the ultimate inside-out team. They got freaking killers on both sides of the ball on the offense and defensive line. I mean, they they're just – they do. It's just – it might not be like, yes, yeah, superstar sack artists, but – you know, like Cam Jordan's always going to be around 10, 12 sacks, and he's going to be dominant in the run game. They got, they're got they a big physical football team. Uh, so I, I, can under, I can see it going both ways tonight. I'm going to be very interested. And it's really, like I said, after the Falcons at eight, I just look at that to go, all right, you know, I don't really think – I'm not thinking quarterback until the Saints or unless some team trades up in front of them. Uh, but I, I really look at that to be the spot to start going, all right, now here's quarterback time. Let's see if this happens now. Now, like I said, the teams that were after Deshaun Watson and didn't get him are the ones that I'm paying the most attention to when it comes to quarterback yeah. tonight. And the three finalists that ultimately lost out to the Cleveland Browns are all in the same division, the NFC South. The Saints, we've talked about. The Falcons, we'll get to unless we don't. The Panthers. We have to talk about them because yesterday their owner, a day after Scott Fitterer checked the box on the mandatory pre-draft press conference, the owner decides, I'll sit for one too, which is odd to me. I don't know what the motivation was for David Tepper to show up and start talking when he isn't required to talk one day before a pretty strategic and important moment, and you better be careful what you say because you don't want to say too much, otherwise somebody's going to cut the line in front of you to get the guy you want. Let's begin with David Tepper, his opening statement, which addresses his devotion to and support of the guy that we thought he was going to fire last year, head coach Matt Rule. Here's Tepper. I want to, uh, I think I want to thank Matt. I want to compliment him, thank him. Uh, for the real progress toward winning, winning, toward words, uh, winning this season, I want to compliment him on assembling a new staff um, that brings a lot more experience than we had um, in the, you know, with the old staff, including two former head coaches. I think uh, that just has to be recognized, it hasn't been recognized enough in, you know, in the press out there. And look, it, uh, I believe in Matt, and he has my full support. I'm excited for the season. Like, it's a brand-new season. It just opens up. In my, in my other world, um, every year is a new year, and this is a new year. What, you know, 
what I forget there's a saying, um, what was then is then, what is now is now. Okay? And we're in the now. We're not in the then. What I, that was then, this is now, is the saying that he butchered there. But that's okay. When you got $16.7 billion, you can butcher any saying that you want. You can spend enough to make the saying that was the saying into the saying that you've butchered it into. But, Chris, let me say this about his support of Matt Rule. Tepperisms, as Pete says. Where was he when Rule was kind of, you know, just kind of out there and... It felt like he was on the hot seat. Where was Tepper to meet with the media then to put out the fire? He was letting him dangle. So I don't I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I think he's decided to love the one he's with for this year. Sure. And he doesn't want to undermine it this year before it even begins. But what he said yesterday about Matt Rule is about five months overdue. Because when Matt Rule was was dealing with the constant churn. Is he going to be fired? Is he going to be fired? And it's crickets coming from Tepper. That tells you something. And surely Tepper's got people working for him who are sufficiently attuned to what's being said. They right. come to him and say, oh, Mr. Tepper, it may be a good idea for you to put out a statement of your full support for Matt Rule. Well, why would I do that? Well, because we want people to think you support him. Well, what if I don't? And so I, don't, I just don't buy that. I, there's an agenda for it. There's a reason for it now. But I just don't buy that that takes Matt Rule off of the hot seat. And also the idea that he's happy about what he did with the staff. Come on, Ben McAdoo is the offensive coordinator. They couldn't get somebody who has options to come be the offensive coordinator because they know everybody's on the hot seat. Well, yeah, it's a little scary. There's no doubt about it. Uh, ben McAdoo is an improvement, though. There's, there's no question, right? Steve Wilkes on the defensive side of the ball. They got him. He's the other head coach he's referring to. You know, Paul Pascaloni's on the defensive side of the ball. It's a guy with great experience, NFL, college, all of that. So uh, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, he, he didn't make comments a few months ago when Rule and his butt was, you know, somewhat on the hot seat and all that because I'm sure he was thinking about, man, maybe should I incinerate that butt for good? Like, should I just set it on fire and get a new one here? Uh, I, I would think that was part of the thought process. You know, Tepper seems to be, you know, take action. And he doesn't seem to be scared of much, no doubt about it. But here we are now. He's he's trying to put his best foot forward, and and he 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 decided to stay with Rule. So he's trying to give everybody a little confidence within that. Let alone show his face on you know TV there in Charlotte. You know, let them know the state of the franchise. Make the fans feel good there. They just had the little issue with the the facility in South Carolina, smooth things over that way. I'm sure that's why he did it. And, you know, he did a good job. He didn't say too much. He didn't make a billion dollars without, you know, learning how to BS a little bit. And uh, he, I, he didn't catch himself. I don't – I have yet to hear anything from what he said yesterday that's going to make people in North Carolina or South Carolina feel no, better about it's all, ever beating I, the owner of the team. I know. I know. It's, 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 it's like an old – you said it's an old world thought. It's like, you know, let me get out here and I'm, you know, one of the, the owners of the team and let me say a few things to, you know, bring us all together. It, it's an old world thought. You're right. I don't really think these things are that necessary. To They're not going to tell you anything. And it's a lot of BS hot air talk. Let's hear a little more BS and hot air from David Tepper on having patience and building a foundation with the Carolina Panthers. Well, I am a fan. Okay, so now I'm going to just talk as a fan. I don't like to lose. Who likes to lose? Okay, I want to win. Okay, 
but it takes time and it takes a foundation um, to create the foundation to win. I do believe that Coach Roll and Scott are doing a great job creating that foundation. I think one of the hardest things, and I've said it five years, five years, five years from the time Coach Roll was there, and maybe it'll be six years, I don't know, from the time he was hired, I think it's just uh, building that foundation, um, having patience to build that foundation, trying to get fans to have patience for that foundation, um, to have, you know, um, sustained winning, winning. I think, and it's hard to build that foundation. It's hard. I mean, listen, I have new appreciation for how stupid I am sometimes, okay? Just quite frankly, I shouldn't say that because they're gonna, people afterwards are going to say, why did you say that? But um, listen, it is, it's hard, and I have a certain amount of humility in this res- respect. Look, there, it, sometimes if we have made any mistakes here, if I have made any mistakes, I'll put everything is my responsibility at the end of the day. But it's a we. It is a we. Listen, there's only one real way you got to build something, okay? And if we, if we ex- have an expectation for a sustained winning, we have to build it and have patience. And I know that's hard to do. I know it. I, wanna, I want to win now, okay? I want to win now. But I know that the, you still have to build the foundation. And there have been building blocks. He's right. He's right. But... When you see teams turn it around quickly like the Bengals have done, it makes you more impatient. And I think he is flabbergasted by the reality. And you caught some of that through what he was saying. He's realizing how stupid I am at times. I have a certain amount of humility. When you become a multi-multi-billionaire in one line of work, I think there's a natural inclination to say, I've been a football fan my whole life. I watch the game. I understand the game. It looks easy to me. If I can figure out this much more complicated, high-stakes world of finance and bend it in my favor to the tune of $16.7 billion, I surely can figure out how to put together a successful NFL team. And I just feel like he wants it so badly that his zeal, his enthusiasm, his earnestness to have a great team is counterproductive. There's a point where you just got to sit back and let the pots do their thing. Let them simmer. Let the food cook. You can't make it cook any faster. And I think that's the dilemma he has. And, and I think the fact that he felt compelled to go out and do a press conference yesterday was a manifestation of his impatience, Chris. Maybe. Hey, things aren't going great down here. Let me go out and talk yeah, to people for a while, I mean. and maybe I'll make things better. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I just, that's what it felt like. Just like, let's kind of just like smooth it over with the fan base. A little state of the union here. I, I like David Tepper. I, I do. You know, again, yes, does he seem, you know, maybe a hair aggressive? Okay. Maybe a hair. You know, but it hasn't crossed the line yet for me to go – Oh man, this guy's like out of control and he just, he's an owner and he doesn't know what he's doing and he just thinks he's rich and whatever. Uh, it's, 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 I, I feel like it's almost got just the right touch. He's willing to. Let me to, ask you a question. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question because you said you like him. Yeah. What about him? Give me something tangible that makes him likable to you because I'm sure there are people in North Carolina and South yeah. Carolina that listened to him yesterday and they don't see much likable. Well, what do you see and hear from him that makes him likable? I, I see a guy there, first off, that just seems like a nice human being where his heart's in the, in the right place as far as like he wants the team to do good. He, he, he's excited. He likes football. It's not like 
He's not looking to like squeeze every dollar out of this to make more money for himself. He wants to make the Panthers good, and he wants to be an owner of a team that's one of the elite franchises in the sport. He's trying to build that. And I think he stayed pretty steadfast with that you know, mantra. And he's been aggressive. Now, has it worked out? No, but like we've talked about, there's a lot of good pieces on the football team. He spent money to keep Christian McCaffrey and company. You know, he spent money to get the coach that he believed in and paid him more money than anybody else was going to do it. And he's been aggressive with the quarterback stuff. So if I'm a Carolina fan, at least I'm going, you know, we got an owner here that's not scared. That's the one thing. He's a, he, he looks like he's willing to be one of those guys we talk about all the time, Mike, where he's, he's, he just wants to get to that point where he can put the, the chips all in and go, let's go for the Super Bowl. So that's what I kind of like about him. I do. I, I, he's got a good touch to me. He's kind of got the Teddy KGB vibe going. He just needs a box of Oreos <laughs> to pay yeah. that man his money, and he's definitely got the money to do that. So I, I don't disagree with that. And I think back to, and this always resonates for me, the All or Nothing series that used to be on Amazon, that the pandemic killed it and it's never come back. It was kind of an in-season hard knocks. And he's sitting in the back of an SUV and he's saying in the very last episode of the one that focused on the Panthers, the league is set up for everyone to be 500. And the way you push it in your direction is to have a great coach, a great GM, and it helps to have a pretty good quarterback. And I remember when I saw that, I thought, oh, he's going to fire Ron Rivera. He's going to fire Marty Herney. And at some point, Cam Newton's going to be gone. And I just feel like he is desperately trying to get himself to the point where he believes he's got the great coach, the great GM, and the great quarterback. And yesterday he spent some time trying to convince everyone that they have a great quarterback in Sam Darnold, the guy that they are trying to kick to the curb. Here's Tepper boosting the guy that we all think is on borrowed time in Carolina. Let's have a listen. Um, quarterback position is always the most important position on the field. Um, and as Scott, uh, Scott Fitter has mentioned many times, we're always looking. Just want to say one thing. I do think we have a very good quarterback in uh, Sam Darnold. You know, the first three games, as I recall, we won. We had this running back that has some talent that got injured um, that uh, might have affected some, you know, some different momentum that we had. I, I think his name is Christian McCaffrey. Um, and then, you know, as you saw the fourth game, the Dallas game, Sam was still there. And then we had a, a center that got injured. So there was a lot of different things on the team, and then Sam himself got injured. So there was this, a lot of different things that happened last year that hopefully will not repeat this year that do give me some hope. The other things, as you're aware, we have made changes. Um, and, again, I'd rather Scott deal with this than me. But we have made some changes during free agency um, on the on the offensive line that we think have, have will lead to improvement there. And, of course, we do have the draft coming up. Look, I, I'm past listening to excuses. Every team can make excuses for why they didn't achieve their goals. Every team has injuries. And I, I we talked about this last night on PFTPM. We played some of that clip, Chris. I... The, the best teams overcome the injury to Christian McCaffrey. The best teams overcome the injury to the center. The best teams overcome whatever adversity comes their way. That's part of it. You're always going to have something. It's never going to line up perfectly where you have 17 games where you have your best players, your best game plan, your best everything, no bad calls, no bad breaks, 
no bad weather, no unforeseen developments. You have to be able to fight through those and still have a winning culture. And that's the Patriot way, as you well know. When someone gets injured, there are no excuses. It's next man up, it's do your job, and it is an expectation that the person who steps into the lineup will perform at the same level as the person he's replacing. When you start bellyaching about injuries, you're making excuses, and what you're doing is you're giving cover in advance to the folks who are going to get pressed into service this year when there's an injury. Because when there's an injury, well, we, we thought things weren't going to happen this way again, but they did. And, oh, well, maybe next year. That's a mindset that starts at the top of the organization that David Tepper's got to get out of there. Take a cue from Bill Belichick. Don't talk like that. Am I right or am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're not. Yeah, I think they're in the process of trying to get there and build that there. You know, there's just not enough there for the organization to be able to overcome some of that stuff quite yet. That would be like what I would say. I don't think you're wrong at all. I don't. I just don't think they're quite there to where they can quite deal with the haymaker every now and then and go, whoa, we're a little wobbly, but we'll be okay. You know, just because, again, you know, the offense. Wouldn't you rather? You know what? Yeah. Chris, it would be better if he said that. I know. You know it would be better if he said, mm -hmm. we've had some adversity that we've had to fight through, and we don't yet have the infrastructure that we can deal with adversity, like some of the teams out there that are consistently successful, that they get a guy injured, they just keep going. Right. They have something bad happen, they just keep going. They get screwed by a bad call and lose a game, they just keep going. We're aspiring to get to that point where no amount of adversity throws us off of our goal of being a consistent contender. That's a message, if I'm a Carolina fan, makes me feel a hell of a lot better than making excuses for why things went wrong last year. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. I hear you there. You know, the, the one thing I'll say with the excuse thing, and again, you know, not to say it's an excuse or whatever, but it, it, I, I, I hear you. It kind of comes off that way a little bit. You know, The one thing I like that he said there. Is it to me at least it's like logical. Sometimes there's the owners that are like, well, you should have won anyways. Who the hell cares? I don't care if you're on your seventh offensive lineman at left tackle. Screw that. That's why I pay you to get it done. So I, I, I guess I, what I like to see is a, that he was at least a little logical. You know, yeah, they, they, they had an offensive coordinator where they blew it. They, they, they took a guy that was hot off the college. Woo, yeah, he won a national championship with Joe Burrow. Yeah, it's college football. You, you can win a college football with the, when you have the most talented team and have 20 plays in your playbook. You can. You know? It's the NFL. You can have the most talented team. You better have 120 plays in your playbook just for first and second down. So that's where it's a different animal. So they got burned by that. They got burned by the quarterback. McCaffrey did get hurt. They got horrible left tackle play. And then you heard the center get hurt too. So there was some real tangible issues. And yes, they're not able to overcome that yet for the reasons you stated. Matt Rule's still getting used to it. They're still building a culture and depth on their football team. Uh, so this is it though. I do, I do think this is the year and they better get at least really close to the playoffs, I think, if Matt Rule probably wants to save his job. They probably got to get like really close uh, at the very least. If they go six and eleven, or you know something like that, then I think it's probably see you later. When we have these conversations about developing a franchise that deals 
with adversity and the adversity will always be there and there will always be something that conspires to keep you from being ideally what you want to be. I am reminded of that classic sequence from Goodfellas where Ray Liotta says, business is bad, F you pay me. Oh, you had a fire, F you pay me. Place got hit by lightning, F you pay me. Apparently we may hear that later. But, but that's my point. Those things don't matter. Once you are locked in as the owner of an NFL team, all this stuff is going to keep coming. And you're, you're either going to weather that storm or you're not, and you're going to tell everybody after the fact, hey, what was I supposed to do? There was a storm. So we'll see if they get there. A lot going on with the Panthers, a lot going on in the NFL. It's draft day if you haven't heard. Let's take a break. We'll have more conversation about the 2022 draft when PFT Live continues right after this. You were in that movie draft day, weren't you? Shut up. <laughs> 